Tonight, instead of preaching the, the whole message I had for tonight, we will do a, uh, a reintroduction. Because remember, before I left, I started a series of messages on that men ought always to pray and to faint not. So we'll get into that in a second. But along with that, I have a couple of appropriate jokes for you. Because I know you've been dying for me to return with them. Okay, one, because, you know, kids are going back to school now, right? And so young Mia, only four years old, had returned home from her first day of school in kindergarten. Said, Mommy, I have a stomachache. That's because your stomach is empty, honey, Sarah, her mother, replied kindly. You'll feel better when you have something in it. She made Maya a small snack, and sure enough, Maya felt better immediately. Later that afternoon, Maya's class teacher dropped by to see Sarah. While she was chatting with Maya's mom, she mentioned she had a bad headache all day long. So Maya perked up straightway and announced to her, Teacher, it's because it's empty. You'll feel better if you put something in it. (laughs) Because we're talking about prayer, the best way to pray. And tonight I was going to be talking about the times, the positions, because, you know, I've had people say, well, you can't, you're not really praying unless you're on your face. You're not really praying unless you're doing this or that. And I want you to see that's not what the Bible teaches, okay? But we may not get that until the next week. But tonight, it's the best way to pray. And a priest, a minister, and a guru sat discussing the best positions for prayer while a telephone repairman worked nearby. Kneeling is definitely the best way to pray, the priest said. No, said the minister, I get the best results standing with my hands outstretched to heaven. You're both wrong, the guru said. The most effective prayer position is lying down on the floor. The repairman could not contain himself any longer, and he says, Hey, fellas, the best way praying I ever did when I was hanging upside down from a telephone pole. <laughs> so, God will hear you if you're willing to come to him. Amen? Okay. So go to Luke chapter 18. Luke chapter 18. This is Jesus speaking, and it says, And he spake a parable unto them to this end, that men ought always to pray and not to faint, saying, There was in a city a judge which feared not God, neither regarded man. And there was a widow in that city, and she came unto him, saying, Avenge me of mine adversary. And he would not for a while, but afterward he said within himself, Though I fear not God and nor regard man, yet because this widow troubleth me, I will avenge her, lest by her continual coming she weary me. And the Lord said, Hear what the unjust judge saith. And shall not God avenge his own elect, which cried day and night unto him, though he bear long with them? I tell you that he will avenge them speedily. Nevertheless, when the Son of Man cometh, shall he find faith on the earth. And in the first message we preached about this, we looked at that from that passage, and we found the commitment to praying. You know, and this widow, and I won't go, like I said, I won't keep you late. Uh, this widow, she's dealing, it's the parable of the widow, the unjust judge, and she was destitute of power. When you think you can handle it, if you're going to do it, God doesn't have to. Don't forget that. Okay? Now, it says... And everything gives thanks. Well, being thankful is being prayerful. Okay, so she was destitute of power. She was desirous of help. 
How many people pray and they don't even think about what they're praying for? She was desirous of help. She needed God's help. If you won't ask God in the little things and see prayers answered, when it comes time when you really need it, you probably won't pray, and if you do, you don't expect God to answer. So we see she was desirous of help, if you remember this, and she was determined to be heard. Jesus is teaching this. I've seen people say, well, I prayed about that once, and God didn't answer it. Well, God's checking to see if you're serious about it, for him to be serious about it. See, because God is always good, and God is always right, and God is always on time, just not our time. Amen? So you still with me? And the last verse in that passage that we read, before he goes to the next parable, he goes to this parable, he says, I will tell you he will avenge them speedily. Nevertheless, when the Son of Man cometh, will he find what? Faith on earth. Your prayer life is tied to your faith life. So many people lose sight of that. Okay? Faith is the substance of things hoped for. The evidence of things not seen. You need to remember that. You can't see it. But God already knows all about it. Do you realize, and I'm going to tell you again, right now, God sees you. God saw you when you were born. God sees you now. He sees the moment of the rapture, if you live to go up in the rapture, or the moment of your passing from this earth to him in death. He sees it right now. Because his name is I am. He's outside of time. He created time to give you understanding. God doesn't need that. Okay? But he wants you to learn about him. And you know, if you won't come to him in faith, you will not learn about who he is. People say, you know, fear of the Lord's the beginning of what? Another place, it says, fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. And knowledge of the holy is understanding. So many people don't get their prayers answered. They have no knowledge of who God is and how God works. And how are you going to know that about him? Can you pray blindly? No. Because you cannot pray and ask God to answer a prayer contrary to his nature. Right? Okay? And so you need to realize that. Knowledge of the holy is understanding. Where are you going to find knowledge about how, who God is and how God works? Faith cometh by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. You still with me? Okay, so your prayer life is tied to your faith life. The summary of the message is the prerequisites for answered prayer is one, is confidence that God hears. Consistency in your requests. If you seriously need God to work, you pray until you're given an answer. You'll know the answer. Maybe it's yes, maybe it's no, maybe it's wait. Okay? Heather's in a waiting pattern. I want you to know. 
I'm not going to give the name. The person knows. Praying consistently. Someone contacted us, and they were praying, setting their alarm clock. I think it's on the hour or every two hours through the night, praying for my daughter, interceding, not for themselves, but for someone else, expecting God to answer. That ministered to Heather. It ministered to Jake. It ministered to me. It ministered to Judy. And it brings glory to the one who answers the prayers. Consistency of your request. Commitment to God's answer. That was the first message. The second one. Turn to 1 Timothy chapter 2. This is Paul speaking to Timothy, okay? This epistle given of God by the inspiration of God, and he says, I exhort, he's encouraging, he's pushing. He's trying to get you to do this. I exhort, therefore, that first of all, supplication and prayers, intercessions be given, and giving of thanks be made for who? For kings, and for all that are in the presidency. In authority, right? That we may lead quiet and peaceable life in all godliness and honesty. I have no problem saying I pray for President Biden every day. I pray for God to get a hold of his heart. I pray he'd get saved because when you get saved, God gives you another promise. Okay? He has not given us the spirit of fear, but of power, love, and a sound mind. And that man needs a sound mind. For those in all of those in authority, we may live quiet and peaceable life in all godliness and honesty. For this is good and acceptable in the sight of God and our Savior, who will have all men to be saved. So should we be praying for people to be saved? Yes. And to come unto the knowledge of the truth. Well, if the elect get saved, God knows who they are. I don't need to pray for their salvation. You're an idiot. God tells you to pray for all men to be what? All men to be saved and come to a knowledge of the truth. For there's one God and one mediator between God and men, the man Christ Jesus, who gave himself a ransom for all to be testified in due time. You had people saved at a Bible handout. Jake was hooting and hollering because we had prayed for it. Parts of prayer and the purpose. Supplications, that's requests for needs. Intercessions, that's prayer requests on the behalf of others. Prayers, that is oral worship of God, of giving of thanks. Who do we pray for? I don't know who to pray for. Who do you know? Who's not saved? 
You ought to get to the place where you get past where young children pray and they say, God, I pray for the world. Okay? Or I pray for people to be saved. No, you pray for all men. Right? It's okay to pray for yourself when you've already prayed giving glory to Jesus. Okay? The parts of prayer, that's a simple thing with that. But who do you pray for? You pray for all men. You pray for kings, those in rulers, in authority. I don't care if it's the government, the church, your boss at work. Pray for the authority in your home. Before you want to criticize your dad or your mom, are you praying for them, young people? And why is it? That's good. The purpose is, is that, that we may live a quiet and peaceable life and that's good and acceptable in God's sight. Isn't that amazing? You ever think about that? You want peace in your home? Spend time before God for those who are in authority over you in your home, in your workplace, in your school. If you're, if you're homeschooled, you need to be praying for your mother and father. You need to be praying for them as your teacher. You pray for your teachers, public school teachers. You know, some of them are saved. I'm reading today on a thing from the Christian Law Association on the rights and the legal restrictions that teachers have. And you know what teachers, they can't do? Kids who were willing to stand up in a public school can start a Bible study if they have, a, they have an outdoor club, they have a chess club, they have any of those things. A student can start a Bible club and can ask for a teacher to help with that. And the school system can't refuse it. It may take a legal battle for it to help him, to have it take place, but that law hasn't changed in this country. And there was a whole listing of stuff, the privileges children have in the school system that the teachers can't because they get accused of trying to persuade children against their will. Now, it's okay that they can persuade them to change who they are biologically, but you can't talk about things to them spiritually unless the child approaches you. Then the teacher can talk. A child can put their Bible on their desk. A teacher cannot. A child can read their Bible during a study hall and at lunchtime. You know, sometimes when a person in authority in a secular situation would not lead or wasn't being used of God, God would use a child to meet those provisions. And I say that because I want you to understand Men ought always to pray and not to faint. You are never too young to pray for God to hear. You've got to remember, what did Jesus say? Suffer little children and come unto me, for such is the kingdom of God. What did he also say with that? Woe unto him, okay, that messes with that child. So I want you to know, young people, you have a special place in God's heart. Do you use it in prayer? Do you realize there's power in that? It can change homes. It can change schools. It can change workplaces, adults. Are we willing to? Next week, we're going to look at the periods and proper times 
given in the scriptures how to, where to, when to, to pray. But that's to be continued next Wednesday night. And all God's people said, good night and God bless.